Today on the big show, we go to the top of the state and, in fact, the top of the nation and put the spotlight on Lake of the Woods. Phil Talmage, the Bedet Area Fisheries Manager, joins me next. Welcome to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. As the opener countdown continues, we put the spotlight on another legendary Paul Bunyan Country water. And this one takes us to the end of Minnesota and actually to the end of America. We're talking Lake of the Woods. Well, at least once a year, we have to check in with Phil Talmage. He's the area fisheries supervisor out of the Bidette office, and he uh, oversees Lake of the Woods, which, Phil, let's be honest, is, is a legendary lake in so many ways, and a lake that, as we've talked about over the years, just gets a ton of pressure, just very popular. Yeah, you know, we get people coming from, you know, all over the state, obviously, and, and throughout the Midwest, and it's not abnormal for us to see people coming from, you know, all over the country, actually, so... It is a popular destination uh, throughout all the seasons, really, but the winter fishery is really uh, really the one that seems to catch a lot of people's eye. It really does seem to, and, uh, and one of the uh, things that, of course, happened this past year with COVID was nobody could go up into Canada, and, uh, I, and I know there was a lot of people that stopped on the border, and I'm just wondering if that increased the pressure even more on your portion of Lake of the Woods. Well, you know, a- anecdotally, it did. That said, we didn't have a creel survey going on last summer when that was really kind of playing a big fat, potentially playing a big factor. So in the absence of having that solid data, it's hard to say. But what we have seen, though, is the past two winters, you know, including the, uh, this, just this most recent winter, we've seen a pretty marked increase in, uh, or marked increase in our winter fishing pressure. And, uh, you know, when, when this happened uh, last year, or two years ago, uh, you know, I kind of figured, I kind of wrote it off to, uh, you know, uh, poor ice conditions in other parts of the state. People couldn't travel around, uh, you know, and so so they came to Lake of the Woods because we had really good uh, ice travel conditions. Well, in this past winter, we saw pressure right in the same ballpark again, and uh, travel conditions were good on most lakes throughout throughout Minnesota. So. Uh, it seems like we might have reached a new level of uh, pressure on Lake of the Woods, and uh, uh, you know we're, we're we've been able to maintain our winter creel surveys, so we've been able to actually keep our fingers on the pulse of that winter fishery through that those surveys. Is there any concerns on your part as far as the increased pressure? Well, you know the, the pressure that we saw, you know, has been just those last couple of years has been you know a thirty to forty percent increase in just wow. the winter pressure. Wow! It's an interesting story. Over the last twenty years on Lake of the Woods, uh, about twenty years ago, we hit for the first time ever we hit a million angling hours in the winter. Uh-huh. Uh, since then, we haven't been below a million angling hours. Uh, and then up to a few years ago, we were saying, well, it, the pressure doubled, and it kind of seems to be leveling out right around two million angling hours. 
Uh, now in these last couple winters, we've actually seen it grow up into the upper uh, 2.7, 2.8 million angling hours in the winter time. So uh, you know that whenever you get that kind of uh, increase in, in in effort or energy being spent on the resource, you know obviously it increases the potential for having more harvest, and uh, you know that that's something that we we have our, the agency has been diligent about putting effort towards monitoring that level of pressure. Okay. Um, you know, one of the things that I would think is a lot of people, especially this last year with COVID, where you can't get into Canada, a lot of those people would typically still be fishing Lake of the Woods just on the Canadian side. So does does that, I mean, the fish don't know borders. They go back and forth between the two sides, correct? Yeah, yeah I mean, I mean, sure, certainly there is some movement, uh, especially between the very adjacent basins and in Lake of the Woods. But you know uh, the winter fishery. You know I don't know that uh, I don't know that I would say that there was a lot of you know that Ontario missed a lot of uh, pressure from Minnesotans or uh, Americans uh, going up into Canada in the winter time for on Lake of the Woods effort. Uh, I don't know that that was has ever been a really big component of their winter fishery, but uh, undoubtedly in the summertime, you know when anglers are no longer able to get up whether it's lake of the whether they're fishing on the ontario side of lake of the woods or any of the other many uh or abundant lakes in northwestern ontario uh, it does this does provide them a good uh stopping point uh get some of that up north feel and gives them some really good walleye fishing absolutely um and we're going to get into that aspect of in, in a minute but uh, phil this is the time of the year where one of your most popular fisheries is getting into its uh, kind of the, the, its hot spot and that's sturgeon fishing yeah <laughs> you know it's it's, it's kind of crazy seeing how that winter that sturgeon fishery has grown over the years uh you know as the population as the fish have uh, recovered from you know being over harvested and poor water quality and habitat from many many years ago watching the, the the species come back and looking at the abundance and the size of the fish out there it's no wonder people come up there and come up here and try to enjoy you know partaking in that fishery and i mean whenever you can get a catch a fish that's uh, taller than you are uh, that, that's always that's always pretty fun so uh, it is unique in that way and you know typically even in the springtime it, it's very common to see our boat accesses jam full of people out uh, sturgeon fishing whether they're there to keep one or not most people are there actually to just catch and release a sturgeon and there's a lot of opportunity for them to do that here well you've never seen me face to face but to be honest a fish taller than me isn't as big a deal as it maybe is a fish taller than you <laughs> right yeah no I, I hear you there yeah that, i guess i should put that in relative terms <laughs> <laughs> but no, it is a very, very popular fish. I hear people talk about it all the time, going up there to fish. And and we're, what's now the season is 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 now correct? You know, even before the harvest season began, you could still catch and release. Uh, okay. Basically, the way the season's set up is on the 24th of April every year is when the harvest season begins. We have a two-week harvest season in the spring, so anglers can harvest fish starting April 24th through um, uh, May 7th. That's a two-week harvest window where they can where they can actually catch and keep a sturgeon between the between 45 and 50 inches long, um, and then you have to have a tag and you got to put that tag on it, just kind of like you do it with a deer. Then it goes back to catch and release fishing through the, through a uh, May May 14th, 15th, and then the then the fishery closes down. You can't target lake sturgeon from the middle of May all the entire month of June, and we start back up July 1st. That is also a harvest season again on July 1st, but you can still catch and release fish for them, obviously. 
Okay. And that July 1st through July 30th is harvest, and then it shuts down and goes back to catch and release until April 24th of the following spring. So it's somewhat complicated. It, you know, it is. If you if you just think about the fact that you can't fish for them May 15th through the, the, the 30th of June, otherwise you can catch and release fish for them all year, the, the whole entire rest of the year, and there's just a couple, see, we just have a spring or a short spring harvest season and then a bigger summer uh, harvest season. Okay. Not that, as you noted, not that that many people harvest them. Uh, you know, it's a lot of picture taking and things like that uh, when it comes to sturgeon. It's just, it's just the battle. It's just the experience, I think, for most sturgeon anglers. Absolutely. You know, we're, we're, we're only seeing a few hundred of them being harvested every year. Most, you know, most anglers are just there for catch and release. You know, it's one of those things, you know, you catch a fish that big, it's uh, it's a lot of meat to deal with. Uh, and so, you know, people, and, and people are, they're really there just more to enjoy those fish. And a lot of people recognize how old they are. You know, I mean, those fish are, you know, the fish that people are harvesting are, you know, 25 years years old. Mm-hmm. So, right. um, you know, it's, it is... It is something that people really are. They're there for the catching them. And even if you're, your boat's not catching them, you can look around and you can almost see someone with a fish on, you know, on those busy days. And, you know, it's a relaxed fishing. You know, you're sitting in a boat, you got your, your line out, and, and, you know, you can kind of sit back and visit with your fishing party. And it, 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 it's, a, it's a fun, it's a, it's a great time. Lake of the Woods is the focus. Phil Talmage, the Bedette Area Fisheries Manager, is keeper of the secrets, and we'll get more of those next. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. You are listening to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Lake of the Woods is the topic today. Likely to be a few boats there for the opener, but there's already been a lot of boats on the water looking for sturgeon. And that's the topic right now with Phil Talmont. You mentioned that you have to have a tag. So there's is there an additional purchase price if you want to fish for sturgeon? You can fish for them without having the sturgeon tag. You just need a regular fishing license. But if you intend to harvest a lake sturgeon, you need to buy a $5 harvest tag. Okay. Uh, you can buy that right when you buy your fishing license. And uh, one thing to point out, I should point out with those harvest tags, are those party fishing is not allowed for lake sturgeon. So, for example, if we were fishing in a boat together and I had a tag and you didn't and you caught a fish that you wanted to harvest, I can't legally put my tag on your fish. Okay. If you if you intend to harvest one, make sure you buy your tag ahead of time and uh, be prepared. You know, and the other part of it is, too, is if you do ever plan on harvesting a, a sturgeon, recognize that there's a, there's a lot of things that go into it. You need to transport it in the hole. So you, you can't, you can't uh, piece it up or... Uh, lay it out or butcher it it needs to be still remain measurable you know you can take the gills and guts out of it um but then you also keep in mind you're going to have to have a pretty big cooler to fit a fish of that size (laughs) into so it it gets kind of complicated really you know if if you want to keep them you really got to be planning ahead uh to do it right yeah you gotta bring a gotta bring a refrigerator in the boat um yeah refrigerator (laughs) would be would be a plus yeah so in 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 one sense, paying the extra five bucks for the tag, that's kind of like a, a trout stamp, and and it's also kind of like a deer tag, in that you get one. Yep, exactly. Yep, you get one per calendar year. So, uh, you know, and it's got to be harvested during those seasonal dates, and and yeah, it is a special management tag that we that we do issue for those, and uh, 
um, it, 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 you know, that, that, so it is very similar to the deer tag, essentially. Are those, uh, are those Lake of the Woods specific regulations or is that the statewide regulation for wherever you might be able to find sturgeon? Yeah, no, the, the reg, I apologize. I should have mentioned that the re- regulations that I was speaking of were from, I was speaking about the, uh, Lake of the Woods and the Rainy River. Okay. Um, there are other the other there are some other har- harvest opportunities for lake sturgeon in Minnesota, but they have different regulations. Uh, but anywhere you go that you harvest a lake sturgeon, you do need to register it. So, like the Saint Croix River, for example, is another fishery that that has uh, harvest opportunities on them. In general, our our, uh, our inland lakes and, and rivers in Minnesota you you can't actually you can't legally harvest the sturgeon from those waters because most of those populations we we still have in a in a state of recovery um, right. you can now fish for them during most parts of the year there is a closed season but for the most but but those inland waters we are still trying to recover those fisheries uh and so it'll it'll be a while yet before there's harvest opportunities on those water bodies well, I would say in Paul Bunyan country, I'd say, you know, well over 90% of the people who fish for sturgeon are fishing on Lake of the Woods or Rainy River. Absolutely. I mean, I, it, I think, you know, this, it's, it's a popular destination. And uh, like I say, it's nothing to see, you know, 250 boats lined up at some of the accesses uh, or some of the bigger accesses in the springtime. Walleyes are closed and the only thing they can be fishing for is sturgeon. Well, let's uh, talk a little bit about another pretty good fishery in Lake of the Woods, and that is the uh, walleye fishery. There's uh, been a ton. There's a ton of walleye in there, and it's one of the uh, fairly rare spots in our area, anyway, that you can go for sauger. Yeah, yes, it is. It's uh, it is unique in that way, and uh, I mean, it's 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 you know that's in the undoubtedly you know we talk sturgeon and you know the popularity of that, but. Bar none, you know the, the the bread and butter of Lake of the Woods is 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 the walleye. You know we have that's what we're known for on Lake of the Woods. So that's what we get a, most of, many of our anglers coming to target our walleyes. And uh, you know we have we have a, a very viable fishery with a large length range of fish. So you can come up and catch a lot of eater size fish. You can come up and you can catch big fish, trophy fish, memorable fish. Um, so in that, in that sense of it, it, it is one of those, one of those places you can go to really have a diverse, uh, a diversity in, in your catch in the day. And you've, uh, you've got some special regs on Lake of the Woods when it comes to walleye too. Can you, uh, map that out for us? Yep. Uh, so the, the walleye regulation on Lake of the Woods is, uh, you have to release all, all walleyes between 19 and a half and 28 inches long. Um, you're allowed six walleye sauger combined. No more than four of them can be a wa- can be a walleye. Okay. And you of those of those four walleyes, uh, one of them can be over 28 inches. But you know, kind of like what you're saying with the sturgeon, we don't see many uh, many of those bigger fish being harvested. No, no, that, that's that's highly unusual. Well, what about sauger? I mean, is there a slot limit on sauger, or can you catch sauger of any size? Nope. Uh, so, you know, so, so sauger are, are are a little different. We don't even get our saugers actually getting uh, quite to the size. Um, I mean, if you even caught a nineteen and a half inch sauger, <laughs> that would be kind of rare. Rare. Okay. Rare. <laughs> we we don't our our, our sauger are much more that harvest uh, either size uh, fish. You know, I mean, they kind of you know that thirteen uh, or excuse me that seventeen inches kind of kind of where we see the biggest ones. So 
a lot of fish in that 14, uh, 13, 14, 15-inch length range. Um, so, yeah, in, in the sauger, though, there is no length regulation on them. So what, uh, what are some of the factors on Lake of the Woods that, uh, that have had you put that particular slot on and go with the four walleye max? Well, the 19 and a half uh, has been in place for quite some time now. Uh, but that, that 19 and a half, the, the concept, it started off as a one over 19 and a half. Okay. And the theory was to actually protect the spawning size females uh, from being harvested. So uh, and there, there's some technicalities on why, why it's still sitting at that exact same si- that's like at that exact same length. But uh, then a few years later, we put it up to the 28 inch. So to allow some people some to, to kind of better protect those spawning size fish in the face of increasing pressure. And then we did allow fish over 28. So somebody, if they did catch a true trophy fish, if they, if they did choose to keep it, they could. Um, And so the regulation, the, the, the bag, excuse me, or the, the number of walleyes you can keep or sauger you can keep has really varied a lot through time. I mean, at one point in time, it was at 20 and uh, then it was uh, even 20 years ago, it was still at 14 where you could have 14 walleye sauger, no more than six walleyes. Um, and then it, then, then it started get, it started coming down a little bit. There was different regulations in the spring and the summer. Uh, it went down to eight walleye sauger in the winter time, no more than four walleye and four and six and four in the, in the summertime. And then just in the last couple of years, we, we reduced the, we, we, we made it, the regulation consistent throughout the entire season for harvest opportunities and we dropped it to uh, six walleye sauger, no more than four walleye, and we and we kept that that slot limit in place. We also, uh, in a, we also, and that was to reduce the harvest of sauger in the winter fishery. The other thing we did at that same time was we made it so the four, or the Rainy River and Four Mile Bay in the springtime from March first through April fourteenth is catch and release only for for uh, northern or excuse me walleye and sauger okay so uh the people that are coming up here and when you see the busy accesses they're there to catch a big fish with no opportunity to harvest one even and you can see that uh, that uh that doesn't deter most anglers from coming up here lake of the woods is is a huge lake and and you know when i was a kid looking at the map i just thought it was you know covering up the the chimney and that was it but I mean, if you look at how big Lake of the Woods is, you go over to the Ontario side, it's massive. There's a lot of water. Yes, <laughs> it's huge. It, you know, Minnesota only has about a third of the lake. Dang. Um, You know, and we and and even with that said, it's still the biggest lake we have in the state. I mean, outside of Lake Superior, it's the biggest lake we have in the state. Um, and, and we only have a third of it in our state. So, <laughs> I mean, you can drive for, I mean, a long time and and still be sitting at the uh on lake of the woods and so you know it's a, it's it's a it's a huge lake with a lot of shoreline a lot of a lot of islands too you know that's another thing that people don't realize you know you, you when you look at the minnesota side of lake of the woods you know it's largely open you know that, that kind of that just that textbook walleye habitat not too deep just kind of big wide open area you know when you start getting to the up towards the northwest angle in minnesota you start seeing that Canadian influence or Canadian shield influence, and 
up at the northwest angle there's islands up there you know more rocky terrain rocky shoreline stuff like that it's almost like a whole other lake um you know and then that 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 kind of habitat and uh aesthetics kind of carry through most of the ontario side but even the ontario side you know we have some there's some really deep bays up there where there's trophy lake trout so uh you know it's almost like it's such a big lake that it's almost like it's a whole bunch of lakes put together right and even from the standpoint of the diversity of what people catch. Up next, we talk Lake of the Woods bass. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Bill Talmadge of the Bidette Area Fisheries Office, my guest, as we put the spotlight on Lake of the Woods. Jeff Gustafson from uh, Kenora area is a guest of mine on a regular basis, and bass fishing on his side of Lake of the Woods is hugely popular. What about on the Minnesota oh, yeah. side? Well, so at the northwest angle, up in that northwest angle, or, you know, when you get up there kind of towards that spot where the Canadian Shield, mm-hmm. uh, you know, starts to play, you know, starts to kind of show it, show its face there, you start getting into some really good bass. You get into that rainy river, and you could talk to Gus, Gusty, and he'd be able to tell you there's a whole bunch of fish, a uh, uh, whole bunch of uh, bass up that rainy river, and, and a lot of the tributaries to the rainy river, for that matter, so... You know, it, it is uh, it is an incredibly diverse fishery, and it's, uh, it's just a joy to be up here and work and live on this area. No doubt. Um, and I know that some people catch muskie up there, and you mentioned, uh, you know, there's some big northerns around that uh, patrolling those waters, too. Yeah. You know, Minnesota, we, we manage the northern pike fishery for the northern pike fishery as a trophy fishery. So we have a regulation that protects... You have to throw back all all northern pike between thirty and forty inches. Okay. We just got done wrapping up our spring pike assessment, and uh, believe there's a lot of northern pike out there over forty inches. Uh, you know the Minnesota waters up there by that northwest angle is a little bit more common area to get into some muskies. Uh, you know, and then obviously some of the Canadian bays and areas have uh, some real trophy muskie. Uh, opportunities that are not that far away and in a normal year with all the right permits in place and licenses in place you'd be able to actually boat from minnesota up there so um besides that on the minnesota side some of you know some of the tributaries to the rainy river actually have some decent uh musky populations like the big fork river uh, has some has some has some very good musky fishing opportunities as well. Um, as you take a look at, at what's going on on Lake of the Woods, the overall picture, anything that has you and the DNR concerned at the moment? Well, you know, I, I would say, you know, like like I said, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't know if I'd say concerned as much as just something. You know, we have the orange flag, you know, with this increasing pressure. You know, so what we're doing right now is. You know, we've upped our game for monitoring the the, har- the the creel or the winter, the harvest and pressure in the winter time. Uh, you know, to make sure, and then we we still have all of our large lake sampling methods in place. So we're out there monitoring, making sure that everything's clicking or long right, uh, even in the face of this increased pressure. And obviously, uh, you know, when it comes to change or things that you know make make a make a fish buyout fisheries manager nervous. Uh, when you get an invasive species acting in a, in a system, you know, there's a lot of unknowns. You know, we have, we've had spiny water fleas for about 15 years now. We know that they're actually impacting some, some growth and having an impact on the zooplankton or the very base of our food web. Just a couple of years ago, we discovered zebra mussels in Lake of the Woods. Now, while we haven't, you know, captured any adults or found any adult zebra mussels yet, 
the abundance of villagers out there indicates that you know hey there's some they're they're, they're here they're here somewhere and so you know we so we're gonna, we're getting to a situation right now where we have two invasive species you know that really have the potential to impact the base of that food web and um, you know, so we're, we're monitoring that closely, and undoubtedly that's something that, you know, I, I, I have uh, some hopes for some resiliency in, the, in our system, but I also have some concerns just because yeah. they don't belong here. We've talked a lot because we've got a lot of zebra mussels in our area now. We're seeing water clearing up. I mean, in a lake like Cass Lake, like I didn't know it could get any clearer. Apparently it can. Yeah. Uh, we're seeing it clear up on Winnie, and that's changing where the walleye are. It doesn't seem at this point to be affecting population so much as to where fish are and, and how hard it is to catch them. Right. And, and you know, and, and, and so far we haven't seen any population-level impacts, even from the, you know, I think it's too early to say what zebra mussels, how they're going to manifest or what the what their impact will be to the 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 sport fishery you know and and even the spiny water fleas who have been here for about 15 years even they are kind of, in the big picture they're actually relatively new and it's a relatively new invasive species thus far the, the shifts we've seen have largely been the zooplankton community and some of that early life growth which is actually an important factor for year class putting down year class strength basically the bigger the those little walleyes get in their first year going into that first winter, the better their chances of survival. You know, I don't think that means that you'd say, well, every year is going to, you know, growth is down. We're going to see bad, poor year class after poor year class. But what that does mean are those years where those fit, that, that year class might have been stressed. Maybe it was a cold, drawn-out spring after the eggs were, after the eggs were spawned. Well, now you got uh, you got that working against you, plus that lower growth. We could start seeing more, like, complete busts on on your class that's mm-hmm. that's a potential concern right because mm-hmm. on lake of the woods you know it's not you know we've we've had poor year classes before but they're very few and far between what we don't want to see is where we you know every couple of years every two three years we're getting a complete bust year class so um you know that that, that that you know there is the potential to have a pretty big impact but so far and i'm knocking on wood as we speak we're not seeing that affect the the recreational fishery we we know what it can do i mean if you look at you know you think lake of the woods is big think about lake erie and think about how dirty that water was at one time and those zebra mussels cleaned up that entire great lake they're they're pretty powerful if they get going yeah i've seen some of the numbers on their filtering capacity and it's astounding how fast they can cycle all the water in a lake you know, and and I don't know what a, I don't know what the impact. I guess I don't know enough about them in the sense of I don't know what their impact will be on a lake like Lake of the Woods, where you know a lot of our you know a good chunk of eighty percent of the water coming into the uh, Lake of the Woods comes from the Rainy River, mm-hmm. and you know a lot of that water up in the Rainy Lake and the and the, even the Little Fork and Big Fork watersheds, a lot of that is really uh, dark water, not uh, not dark in the sense of it's full of mud. But dark in the sense that it's full of tannins, you know, because it's drink, it's coming out of the bog. So there's that that bog teaish color that that a lot of the water has. And I don't know that the zebra mussels would ever get to a point where they'd filter that out. But uh, you know, there's no doubt that they'll be removing nutrients and things that algae and zooplankton need to to flourish. But hopefully, as I mentioned earlier, we have some resiliency to to them becoming too robust of a population because we have things like we have fairly low uh, calcium concentrations in lake of the woods we also have a very uh, very strong lake sturgeon population 
as I mentioned. And actually, there's been in other parts of the country, it's been documented that in systems where zebra mussels take, you know, arrive and take off, uh, the lake sturgeon population can actually start having. They'll start. They'll switch their food, and they'll start eating zebra mussels. No. Oh. So, um, you know, hopefully you put those two together, and I'm hoping that Lake of the Woods has some ecological resiliency. That said, I wish I wasn't. I wish I wasn't watching this experiment unfold <laughs> because there's no guarantees in that. Well, that's right. I mean, that's the thing. None of us know. We're just we're just living it and uh, and reacting as quickly as we can. That's the way it goes. That's life. And so, uh, you know, people here in our office, uh, you know, we have a crew here that's very dedicated to the resource and. Uh, you know, we're going to do everything we can to be, continue to collect uh, good information that helps inform our management decisions and um, use that science and data to support or inform our decisions. I ask you this question every year. If you were a teacher and Lake of the Woods was your student, what grade would you give it right now? We'll go on that 4.0 scale, and based on the diversity of the fishery and the all it has to offer, I'd, I'd have to give it an A+. All right. I wouldn't get many arguments from the people who fish up there. <laughs> I just hear rave reviews of it all the time, no question. All right, Phil right. Talmudge is the uh, area fishery supervisor out of the Bidet uh, office. He's got a few other lakes he has to look at, but really the main thing is Lake of the Woods. That is such an important fishery to really fill the whole state of Minnesota. It's one of those maybe top ten that really matter to everybody in Minnesota. You know, it is one of the top ten walleye lakes. It's in the Large Lake Walleye Program. And, you know, harvest-wise, uh, for sheer poundage of fish that are harvested out of there and angling effort that's exerted on there, year in, year out, it's always one of the top three lakes as far as that stuff goes, you know, depending on how good fishing was or that kind of stuff on a given year. So it is popular, it is important, and it is a destination. Phil, it's always great talking to you and getting the information. We really appreciate it. Thanks very much. Thank you, Kevin. Have a great day. Coming up later in the week, Toby Kavalivag, Charlie Peterson, and Bro Brosdahl will be among those sharing tips for the opener with us. Plus, we'll have the Lake of the Week, and we still have the spotlight out. A couple of more big lakes we're going to check out, Mille Lacs and Gull, before we get to the opener. Hey, we know you can't always be there when we air the show. That's why we have a podcast. And the podcast often has bonus content. So subscribe to the podcast, and you can catch the show whenever it's convenient for you. You can do that at Podcast One on the Pod MN app or wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. I'm Kev Jackson. Thanks for joining us. Fish out, popcorn, yeah. Country, country.